returning there, uh, uh, please join me in a, a brief word of prayer. Um, Heavenly Father, uh, thank you so much again, Lord, that uh, uh, you saved me from a life of sin. Lord, that you lovingly led me to repentance, Father God, and and uh, called me to minister your word. And so, Father, I'm humbled by that. And uh, I ask your, you once again, Lord, to faithfully use uh, this flawed vessel to share your word of truth in such a way as to minister to the hearts and, and lives of, of those present, um, that they may bear fruit to your glory, Father God, and uh, fulfill the Great Commission, their, their part in the Great Commission, Father God, that you have purposed for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, uh, the term uh, mission creep came to my uh, mind. I believe it's a military term, and, and it caused me to look up the definition for it um, uh, this morning, as a matter of fact. And uh, mission creep, the definition of it, according to Merriam-Webster, is the gradual broadening of the original objectives of a mission or organization. It's a gradual broadening. The mission started laser-focused. It had a clear objective. The wind was clearly defined. And somewhere along the line, for various reasons, it gets broadened and broadened and broadened. The what was once laser focused becomes not so clear, and uh, new objectives uh, get determined, uh, get developed that do not effectively fulfill the original mission that we were sent on. And I say that in regards to the Great Commission that God has called us to. We have to be careful as a body of Christ, to make sure that we're not uh, guilty of or prey of mission creep. I will, before I start in John chapter 17, I will quote verses that we all, many of us learned in Bible school. John 3.16, or Sunday school. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Uh, Matthew 28, uh, verses 19, 20, you know, he says, all authority has been given unto me, right? And, uh, uh, and what did he tell us? He commissioned us to go out and to make believers, Make pew warmers. Lukewarm Christians. Disciples. Go out there and make disciples, teaching them to observe everything that I've taught you. And what did he promise us that he would do? He will be with us always, even to the end of the age. You know, 
there's a lot of stuff out there that can that can that can uh, creep us out, that can freak us out. But you know, I take comfort in that promise that he gave. You know, he says, "Go make disciples." teaching them to observe or obey or walk in everything that I have taught you. There's a mission. There is a, there is a mission given to us by the Lord. We're proclaiming the gospel, right? Jesus came and did for us that which we could not do for ourselves. We were lost and dead in our sins. We were under the judgment of the eternal judgment of God, right? And we have to remind ourselves of that. Those of us who have been saved a while, it's hard to remember sometimes the life of not being saved, right? We remember it at times. We get a little twinge of it, but, but, but we were, the weight of it sometimes doesn't really still resonate with us. We were on our way to hell. For eternity, eternally separated from God. And there was nothing you and I could do to change that circumstance. But God loved us so much. He could have wiped us out and started over, made a new Adam and Eve and done this thing all over again and, 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 and put up a, a, a some kind of divine electric fence so a serpent couldn't get in there. To mess things up. But no. We are his treasure. We are his children. We are his beloved. It wasn't, a, it wasn't good enough for him to start over. He wanted to redeem us. Those are, redeem that which was lost. Because we're his heart. How many of you know that God loves the world? And as John says in chapter 3, he so loved the world he gave his only begotten son. His son paid the, the penalty for our sins. He made the way for salvation. He did the hard work. He suffered the consequences in, in its entirety. And then he packages up salvation that he earned for us. And he offers it to us as a free gift. The gift, the, the gift wasn't free. He paid the, pr- the price. But he freely offers it to us. Not because of how good we were, not because of anything that we did to earn it, but for no other reason than that's just how much he loves us. Give me a second here. I forgot to put this thing on uh, never to auto lock. I don't need it going black every five minutes. I walk around too much. And he wants us to go out through every nation. He wants us to go out through the highways and byways and tell everybody this good news. Not just to tell them the good news of how they must be saved, but to tell them in no uncertain terms what you're inviting them into. Okay? 
yes, he's your savior, but you need to know he's also your Lord. And there is, in this generation of moral relativism and, and, and everybody having their own truth, there is truth. Absolute truth. There is biblical truth. The word of God is that truth. And he wants to teach us. He wants us to learn from him. He wants us to be discipled according to that truth. Because our life doesn't belong to us anymore. It belongs to the one who redeemed us. Right? And so, and, and so as we're inviting people and, and, and into the church, it, it, as we are getting people saved, we need to, we need to be fully open <laughs> with them as to what they're being invited into, as to what they're committing to when they give their heart to the Lord. You're saved by grace. But you're, but you're called to discipleship. Because he wants you to be spiritually mature. He wants you to grow from a babe in Christ to a mature person in Christ who can then go out and make more disciples. Because he wants the message out there. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come unto repentance. And he wants every ear to hear the good news. And above all, we have many different issues and, and, and many different uh, ideological spectrums that we can spend our time and waste a lot of energy arguing about. And there, there are some, some nice things to invest our time in, but in most cases, they're little more than mission creep. Because we have to ask our question, we have to ask ourselves a question, how does this advance the gospel? Does this glorify Jesus? Uh, does me winning this argument in any way project the good news of Jesus Christ? What argument am I fighting? What battle am I in? Am I, am I in the great commission battle or am I on another battle? So I, I, I wanted to uh, mention those uh, verses and, and say that as a pretext as we get into John 17 here this morning. Jesus has pretty much completed his work. There's one final step for him to, to do, and that's to go to the cross and to be raised again on the third day. And he's having... This moment. With God. He knows he's about to leave. Verse one. When Jesus has spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And so Jesus is praying here and notice it's very intimate. It's relationship. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son, your son. I'm your son. 
that your son may glorify you. He's setting the tone for this prayer. The ultimate objective of this prayer is that the father be glorified. He's not asking God the father to glorify the son for his own this glory and magnification. He's not a narcissist here. He's, okay, God, it's time. I, I've done everything you've told me to do. Now, you know, everything, what, what, what's about to happen is totally in your hands. Glorify the son. See, see that that is pertaining to the cross. This cross that I'm about to suffer Glorify your son. I know, Father, that you sent me here to die for the sins of the world. And I know that that's, that is near. That is about to happen. And there are many believers, but there are many unbelievers. Glorify me. Lord, I'm going to, I'm willingly going to the cross. I'm going to suffer everything your word says I've got to suffer. And I'm going to die a gruesome, shameful, gory death on this cross. And yet in faith, I know that you're going to glorify me. I won't stay dead. That just as sure as your word prophesied the death of the Messiah, just as true is that you're going to raise the Messiah back to life. And the people I couldn't convince, or the people my disciples couldn't convince, they will become convinced when you've glorified the Son and you've lifted me up. Raise me up on the third day and I'm seated at the right hand of the Father. So glorify your son so that the son may glorify you. It's not about him. It's about the glory of the father. Since you've given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. You know, this may be a bit of a stretch for, for some, but, but I don't, for all whom you have given him. You know, the scripture says that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising its shame. This here, for all, you've given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. How many of you know we are a gift to Jesus? Not to elevate us, but that's how precious we are to him. That each soul that gives our heart to Jesus, that's the Father giving us as a gift to his son. And that's how precious he re preciously he regards us. And then he defines it. And this is eternal life. That they know you. The only true God. And Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Eternal life, this is eternal life, knowing God and knowing the Son whom he has sent. Not knowing about him, 
not intellectually knowing him, but experientially knowing him, intimately knowing him. How many of you know Jesus said of himself, I don't do anything apart from the father. I, whatever, I, I only say what I hear him say. He tells me what to say and I say it. I only do what I see him do. And if that was what Jesus did, how many of you know that's how we should be? That's being surrendered to his lordship. God, I'm not going to make my own decisions and ask you to bless them because then I'm the Lord of my own life. And I'm asking you to endorse my lordship. No, instead, Father, I am grappling with these issues that are before me, these issues of the day, these challenges, these hardships. What I'm going to do is take these to you, Lord, and get instruction and get direction and get leading from you as to how I should go about representing you in these arenas. In that, I am being a disciple of Jesus Christ because that is exactly what he modeled. That's exactly what he taught his disciples. And it's what he taught his disciples to teach us. There is a lot of things being done and a lot of things being said in the name of the Lord that ain't of the Lord. And as a church, we need to correct that. We need to repent of that where we're, where we've been guilty of that. You, each and every one of you, I, <laughs> I'm not just being nebulous out there, the church, those people. No, we are all the body of Christ. But there are some spots and blemishes that, that need to be cleaned, that need to be repented of, right? And we need to, if we're going to say that God is leading us to do something or that God is saying something, that needs to weigh heavy on us to make sure that if we're going to say God said it, that God did actually say it. And it's not something that, it's not an argument ender for us. See, if it's your opinion, we can argue that. We can reason it. We can debate it. But you say God told you to do it. And so we want to make sure that we're not trying to avoid the truth being spoken to us in love and, and avoid accountability or correction by attributing to God that which has come out of our own soul. And, and we can, we can judge the fruit of it. You know, like I, I'm a couple of weeks ago or a few weeks ago, I talked about it from a prophecy standpoint. You know, uh, when one prophecy is going to exalt the Lord. Okay, it's going to confirm biblical truth. It's not about predicting world events. It's biblical prophecy. And if God said it, it comes to pass. If it doesn't come to pass, then God didn't say it. Uh, you know, it, 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 I don't know. It doesn't mean it wasn't spiritual. A spirit may have said it, but it wasn't the spirit of truth. And we just, we just got to be honest about that, right? And it's, sometimes we miss it. But if it does not come to pass, then God didn't say it because what God says comes to pass. His word is true. 
His spirit is the spirit of truth, right? And we're going to have to, that's going to have to matter enough to us, right? That, that, that we're not going to attribute to God that which we are not absolutely sure is of God. And we'll wait. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. We'll wait for God to confirm it. Because if God said it, he'll confirm it. Uh, I didn't even give the title of the message a subtitle. It's still the same series, Know God and Make Him Known. But it's a subtext, Sanctified in Truth. Sanctified in Truth, colon, Oneness in the Lord. But this is a knowing God relationally. My wife and my wife, Christy, and I, we know each other inside and out. Okay, we've lived together for 28 years. Right. We have four children together. We know everything, flaws and all. (laughs) Right. And she can see me. She didn't even have to hear a word come out of my mouth. She can see a way that I tilt when I sit or something or see a look or something and know that something triggered me. She knows me that well. And the same here. We, we know, we know each other so well that we can say that we're feeling one way and the other one know we're lying. Because it's written all over. We know from the body language, we know these slight little mannerisms to know something's going on. Do you want to talk about it now or you need a minute? But we know because we've invested time in one another, we've been together long enough. That's the kind of knowing that is talking about of God, that we know him, not just, you know, we, we, we don't know him academically. We know him. We are in relationship with him. I don't wall off or close off aspects of my life to him. He is intimately invited in and I am surrendered to him, his word, his direction in those areas of my life. I believe Johnny did a wonderful, uh, I know I came in kind of late brother, but Johnny did a wonderful Bible study teaching on that Friday where uh when I came in, I don't know if that was the main uh uh text of it, but the gnosko, the, the, the Greek word for for uh for knowing in there. I just I'm just gonna do a little plain talk. It's gnosko, don't even ask me to spell it. <laughs> but it's knowing intimately, experientially, relationally. God is more concerned with our the health of our relationship with him than anything we can do for him Uh, let's go on i glorified you on earth having accomplished the work that you gave me to do and now father 
glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. It's the, the, the disciples that Jesus called and the people that followed him, they were not, that was not happenstance. He knew when he went to these people and said, follow me, he, the, the father led him to those people and already let him know this one, this one's a follower of yours. He shall be one of your 12. When you came to the Lord, you know, it always trips me out when I, when I hear people say, I found Jesus. No, you didn't find him. <laughs> no, no, you didn't find him. You might have stumbled into him, but no, no, you were led to Jesus. He knew where you were every step of the way, and, God, and God's goodness was leading you to repentance so that you would encounter Jesus. And repent and turn to him and surrender to him as your Lord and Savior. We were all given to Jesus. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I've manifested your name to the people whom you have given me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me. Notice, the Father is the source. Everything springs from a relationship with the Father. Yours they were, you gave them to me. I have kept them in your word. For I have given them the words that you gave me, verse 8, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you. And they have believed that you sent me. And then he says, I am praying for them. And here's how our Jesus, how our Lord is praying for you and me. All mine are yours. No, I, I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me. That includes you and I. Everyone who's listening online, everyone here. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours. Notice how he models that. Whatever we call ours, really belongs to the Lord. All these that you have given me, Lord, they're yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they're in the world. And I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. Now, wow, that's that's a totally different level of unity right there. 
because when we talk about the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they're, they're not just a tight little group. They are one. They are three expressions of the one Godhead. They, they, they cannot be separate, right? They're, they're, it's Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they're, but they're God. Amen? And so, he's saying that he wants us to be one like they are one. And it's interesting that he, he says that after he says he's kept them in his word. How many of you know the only way we're going to be one is one in the spirit of God according to the truth of God. And we're going to have to get settled on the truth of God's word. And we're going to have to stick to that truth. And we're going to, instead of modifying the word or, or, or picking certain scriptures to conform to a path that we have predetermined ourselves, we're going to have to stop doing that and let the unadulterated truth of the word move us. And if we'll all do that, we'll all be sanctified in the same truth and we'll be able to walk in oneness in the spirit of God according to that truth. Are you hearing me? He's praying for him. Now, in verse 11, he's talking about those individuals who are already given to him, who are uh, his followers, his disciples, and, 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 and the few hundred that saw him uh, uh, resurrected and raised. But we'll learn later in verse 21 that it encompasses all of us, everyone who will believe as a result of their witness. But, but we'll get there in due time. But Holy Father, keep them in your name. And I, I, I want to park there for a sec, especially uh, as it pertains to uh, oneness at the end of that same verse, verse 11, I believe. Keep them in your name. We can misinterpret that scripture if we're not careful. And maybe some might use that to say, well, you can be saved today, but based on your actions, you can be unsaved tomorrow. And if you get yourself back straight again and walk with God right again, you can be saved again right after that. But this is not talking about our salvation. If you, if you have confessed Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead. Salvation is a gift, right? It's by grace through faith, lest anyone should boast. You can't earn your way into salvation or earn your way out of it. It's by grace through faith. Now, I know that's a point of contention, and, you know, and, and I may lose some people on that. I've vacillated from one side or the other on that debate throughout the years, but that's something I've been firmly settled on for, for, for many years now. That's one thing that's clear. That's what the Old Testament was supposed to bring us to Christ. That our righteous deeds are as filthy rags. You can't earn salvation. It's, 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 it was earned for you through Jesus Christ. And it's a gift of God. 
So none of us can boast. Whatever you were saved out of might be different than what I was saved out of. And we can look at it from a human standpoint and try to say person A's salvation is greater than person B's salvation. But that, the, the folly in that is that it doesn't matter that the minutia, the details don't matter. A person A and B were on their way to hell apart from Christ. And in Christ, they're both saved. Names written in the Lamb's book of life, and they're going to be spending eternity with God. So we get into these, sometimes we focus on the things that don't deserve our focus. But getting back to what I was saying, keeping him, Holy Father, keep them in your name. Whenever we, we hear in the name of Jesus or in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, you know, usually we're ending a prayer. And we don't think much more about it other than to identify that this is whose name that we're praying in. But you know, that term is much, much deeper than a prayer ender. Because when it says keep them in your name, it's keeping them in your truth, your word, and keeping them in your character. Keep them in your name. Make it so that they are a reflection of you in truth and in character. That's why Jesus could tell tell, uh, 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 the disciples, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That, That there's not a moment in my life that I've not represented him well. I represent him not only in telling you what his word says, but I represent him in conformity to his word. I represent him in character, in attitude, in how I treat others. I represent him. I don't deviate from him. He's running every aspect of my life. I, I is submitted to the Father. That's, that was Jesus. That was Jesus' uh, approach. And that's you know what? And he could have. Why is all these details available to us in the Gospels? It's so that we can read them and know how we're supposed to conduct ourselves. How we're supposed to walk as followers, disciples of Jesus Christ. If there is not a a, a roadmap or a blueprint, if we don't, if we're not privy to the way he interacted with people, uh, the way he preached the truth and the way he conducted himself according to that truth, then how is it that we can follow in his footsteps if we don't know him? So he modeled for us what it looks like. And so when it says here, keep them in your name, it's important that we're not just able to quote scripture, but that we do scripture. As James would say, that we're not hearers only, but doers of the word. So keep them in your name and know and know that when you are ending a prayer, I think I said this before the service, it's entirely possible. I know I said it because I was talking to two gentlemen here. It's entirely possible for us to pray a prayer. And at the end of that prayer, we say in Jesus name. 
But not a word of that prayer was actually in Jesus' name because the prayer wasn't consistent with his character. It wasn't consistent with his will as we know in the word of God. If we, we could be praying out of our soul and want God to do something for us that is not in his name. And I, I believe it's important that I, that I convey that to you that we're not, we shouldn't expect to get something or get a prayer answered because we said it in Jesus name in word. If the content of that prayer itself in character is not in his name. I'll say amen if you want. Verse 12. While I was with them, I kept them in your name. You know, anybody who's watched that, the the chosen videos and everything, I I love the whole dynamic. Uh, it shows you what you would expect to see in human nature. Um, you know, all of them loved Jesus and all of them wanted to follow Jesus, but all of them had their own idea. All the disciples had their own ideas sometimes about how to go about doing what Jesus wanted them to do. And they would argue and they would bicker and some would do their own thing and go off and, and against what the group was saying. And, and it's funny, Jesus would go off to pray and he would just leave them at the camp and, and sometimes chaos would ensue. And yet, uh, he would have to chastise, uh, uh, chastise them. Uh, some of them were judging the others. They're all following Jesus, but poor Matthew. He just got, I tell you what, his fellow disciples really crucified him every chance they got. They judged him because he was a tax collector. But Jesus kept them all He dealt with them lovingly wherever they were at. In the right time, their hearts eventually softened toward one another. Um, uh, They, I guess, uh, he knew that they thought he was some kind of military leader that was going to uh, relieve them from the uh, oppression of the Roman Empire. And yet he lovingly and patiently Shared their truth with him that that's, I'm, no, my kingdom is not about that. He never lost sight of his mission. And he shared that mission with his disciples and he kept them, not, they, he kept them in the name of the Father, not only in word, but in, in conduct, in heart, in attitude. In mindset, it took some of them a little longer to get there, but they got there. By the end of that three years plus, and he's going to the cross, these guys were ready, whether they knew it or not, to impact the world with the gospel. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you've given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you. And we all know what that means. But now I am coming to you. And these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. You know, you heard that, that term, uh, the world didn't give it to you, the world can't take it away. 
goes back to that word. I've given them, but, but now I'm coming to you and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. The more we press in, the more we come to know the Lord, the more his joy can be fulfilled in us. We seek joy, the fulfillment of joy in a lot of things that give promise that they will give us joy, but fall well short of that. They give us guilt, shame, bondage. They give us a lot of things, but they don't give us joy. They may give us a brief stint of happiness, but they don't give us joy. Joy only comes from the Lord. I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. Notice what Jesus said, I've given them your word. Not, you know, not my own spin, not my own. I gave them your word. I do not ask that you take them out of the world. I know sometimes we probably, if I'm not going to ask anybody to admit that, but I know there's probably times that each of us want God to take us out of the world. It would just be, it would just be easier. And I, and while I get it, here, Here's the thing we're asking him to do when we, when we think that. It's like, God, you know, your heart that no one should perish, but everybody should come to repentance. That, that doesn't, that that doesn't mean very much to me. I, I, I'm ready to get my reward. The part that I'm supposed to play in reaching that mission field out there and bringing people to the Lord for your joy, that will, that will please your heart. That's, that's, that's of less concern than the joy of my heart right now. That's not how we say it, but that's in essence what it is, what we're saying. I do not ask that you have taken, that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world. Just as I am not of the world. Y'all, you are not of this world. You are children of the kingdom of God. You are not of this world. Our mindset should be as citizens of the kingdom of God. Hearing our king, our Lord, what his will is and how he wants to affect his will in this earth, that we might come alongside and partner with him in his will coming to pass here on this earth. We're not of the world, just as he's not of this world. Verse 17, I love it. Sanctify them in the truth. We, I, I've talked about all that up to this point. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Y'all, I cannot stress this enough. It's, we, we've got to stop playing and toying and, 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 and just haphazardly, uh, dealing with God's word. And, and we're going to have to be committed to getting into God's word and discovering the truth of it. 
studying to show ourselves approved unto God. Workmen that need not to be ashamed, but able to rightly divide the word of truth. If we're not doing that, then we're susceptible to deception. We can be led astray, not because that's God's will for us, but that's what we made ourselves subject to by not prioritizing God's word and not championing the importance of truth. We want to know not just the facts. That's not facts are, are one thing. We want to know the truth of a matter. We want to deal with and go through life according to truth. And sometimes we lose sight of that when we get in the middle of these arguments and debates. All of a sudden, truth gets lost in a, in a, in a myriad of facts. Facts that change. They're, the facts, today's facts might be different tomorrow. It's a shifting sand. But the one thing that will last forever is God's truth. It's rock solid. It is unchanging. It is timeless. And he says, sanctify them in your truth. God's word of truth is what we need to be uh, immersing ourselves in and, and allowing ourselves to be renewed in our thinking. Let that be the, sanctification means setting apart, hagios, to set apart for God's divine purpose. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. I don't care where it comes from, how good the book is, how well written it is. If it ain't God's word, it's not truth. I don't care how much we agree with one policy or another. If it ain't God's word, it ain't truth. And we need to make sure. It doesn't mean you can't be okay with that policy, but but God's word trumps it. And that is what we are to be sanctified in. If the whole body of Christ is sanctified in his word of truth, then we can't help but come into oneness. That should be the thing that's unified, that we're unified around. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. See, Jesus consecrated himself for our sake. That, that we may also be sanctified in truth. Going back to what I said earlier about just because you said in Jesus name, don't make it in Jesus name. And let's be careful not to say God said unless we know God actually said. If he, if it doesn't come to pass, if it's prophetic, then it, God didn't say it. It means it wasn't truth. And we have to speak to that. We have to acknowledge that. And then we have to correct ourselves and be discriminating as to who we are giving our ear to uh, as it pertains to uh, what thus saith the Lord. 
And as for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. And that pulls all of us in. He wants us all sanctified in his truth. That they may, notice here, I'm going to repeat that. I, and this is pretty much the, uh, uh, the crescendo of the whole purpose was to, of this message was to lead to this. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That, or so that they may all be one. You know, our unity, our oneness in the Lord, oneness in message, oneness in spirit, right? Oneness in our conduct, because we're all emulating, we're all following the same discipler, Jesus. We're all disciples of him. The oneness that we all display in all of that, where we're all reflecting the same master, the same Lord, the same Savior, the same Jesus, that's supposed to be a witness to the world of who he is. And so, and for their sake, I consecrate myself. I'm going to read that again, that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us. And that should be our objective. I want you to know that's God's objective for us. That we, that we are all one, but we're all one in Him. In His Word, in His truth, in His way. That we all are conformed to Him. We're all one in Him. So that the world may believe that you have sent me. I almost named the message that. So that the world may believe. Not everybody is, is, is built or meant to be up here front of house ministry, preaching or prophesying or doing whatever. Uh, a five-fold ministry. Not everybody's meant to be out on the foreign mission field and, and all that. But every one of us are expected to be sanctified in his truth. Every one of us are expected to be one in God. Where we're not arguing uh, out of our soul over this little portion of a scripture or whatever where we learn to take scripture in its proper context we learn to take the whole of scripture in context and let that help us interpret properly a particular passage instead of taking passages out of the context of the whole of scripture but take a passage that kind of fits what we already believe and what we already want to do and using scripture as confirmation of something that is not of God. And I'm not, I'm preaching what God puts on my heart. I'm not having anybody in mind as I'm out here preaching this. I'm not, don't, don't, 
Don't feel like I'm, <laughs> that is wiping his brow. Don't, don't feel like I'm targeting anybody or that I feel like, or that I feel like our church in general is guilty of this, right? But we also live in a world where this is pretty rampant, right? We, 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 you know, it's, there's a lot of, I believe, people who are sincere in their walk with the Lord that are walking astray and they're guilty of being prey to mission creep and doing all kinds of things because, you know, because they're not going in according to truth of God's word. People who don't have full understanding, who have not done this, what I'm talking about here, you know, the simple matter of, I'm not going to take a passage of scripture and just let it stand alone, isolated and interpret it because more than likely my interpretation is going to come out of my own life experiences, my own perspective, and the interpretation will therefore be tainted. It won't be the pure word of God. So I've got to allow God's word. All right. I, I, I've got to. Uh, interpret scripture within the context of God's word because God's gonna, word is gonna confirm itself. And so my interpretation thereof has to be according to his word of truth. If we're all doing that, then we end up being sanctified in the truth and we end up in oneness in our knowledge of the word of God and what's it expected of us and how we, and how we walk according to it. And it, we end up uh, deception proofing ourselves. Right? If, if we're doing that, if, if, if we are going to avoid falling into, falling into error and, and being led astray or being led into deception, it will be because we have, uh, invested so much time in our relationship with the Father and in the study of His Word and the proper study of the Word that we're not going to, we're going to take great pains not to interpret God's word based on our experience. Not to lean on our own understanding as it pertains to the word of God. But, but, but we're going to continue to search a thing out. Uh, we're going to go to leaders, uh, our pastoral leadership and so forth here that we trust to help us, maybe give us more scriptural perspective to help us interpret truth properly, just to make sure that we understand the thing according to his word. You know, that's not a, a fun thing necessarily, but to me, that's going to enable you to fight the good fight of faith. It's going to enable you to be the type of witness for the Lord and ambassador for him that deep in our hearts we all want to be, right? But we've got to make sure that we're getting our marching orders from the Lord and not from individuals or entities that uh, may not be representing him or representing him well, rather. That they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. There's been many times I've heard many messages that were powerful messages and, and I wished that the unsaved could hear it so that they can believe, oh man, if such and such were here, this message would have really gotten a hold of his heart. He would have come to the Lord. Oh, I wish she, such and such, man, she could have really come to the Lord. You know, 
this here, it's amazing. If we were to get on, on mission, unified, preaching the message of God's gospel, the gospel of Christ Jesus, the gospel of the kingdom, if we were to be unified in the word, unified in our representation of our Lord and Savior, if we, if we were a true representation of him, where if an unbeliever read the Bible and saw Jesus' conduct, they could remember how we conducted ourselves toward them and before them and say, yeah, it's a true believer right here. Man, um, I used to know this guy when, you know, they could say of Cornell, man, I remember uh, uh, back in the day, he was out here with us on these street corners. He was out here with us. Do, running around doing all the nonsense that we're doing and now I'm looking at this guy and I'm reading this Bible I'm looking at Jesus I'm looking at his disciples and I'm seeing in him a different guy and I went to their church and I see in all of those people the same same conduct they don't we don't have to all it's not a cult we don't have to all do the same thing but but in essence, in nature, the same spirit is at work in all of us. It's evident. You can tell. We may not speak exactly the same, but we're going to love you with the love of Christ in the way that God has enabled us to do it. Right? We're going to speak the truth in love the way God has built us to express it individually. We all are part of a, the body of Christ and whether you are a finger, a wrist, a knee, a ankle, a toe, a toenail, you're all a part of the expression of the body of Christ as a whole, right? And it's the same nature at work in all of us that's getting expressed through all of us. And that's where, you know, we all need to be sanctified in his truth. Give God the, 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 the freedom to work in us that way. To where, Lord, I'm not going to, I'm not going to expect your word. I'm not going to do this a la carte and pick this passage and this verse and do these things and, and, and fit them into the puzzle of my life or my worldview the way I want them to fit. No. I'm going to scrutinize my worldview and, and, and see if my worldview is fully in line with your truth. If not, then my worldview needs to be sanctified in your truth. I'm not going to give license to justify my attitudes, uh, whether I'm, where I'm walking in judgment and bitterness and unforgiveness. No, I'm not going to pick verses that allow me to feel okay about that. No, I'm going to scrutinize my attitudes and my emotions and, and all those things, and I'm going to uh, put subject them to your word of truth, and where it's necessary, I'm going to surrender to you so that they might be sanctified according to your truth. And that, if we were all committed in that way, then we can't help but come into oneness, all sanctified in his truth. And when the world sees that, they'll believe 
that Jesus was sent by the Father. They'll believe. Many of them will believe the gospel. By our witness, we preach to them by the witness of our lives, that we've allowed him to sanctify us and conform us, and we're all united in that way. Different routes, different issues, different problems, but we all ended up at the same cross. We all ended up at the same, you know, sanctified by the same Lord, by the same truth. And so, uh, it, it, to the glory, to the glory of God the Father. And I think, I guess a lot of times, uh, that's it for John 17, but Anytime, I think when you read those first 21 verses of John 17, here I am again, I think of one verse and then I want to expand it out to a bunch of verses. But at the very least, you need to read the final verse in John 16, right? Uh, To know that Jesus is fully in faith when he's praying this, when he's addressing the Father. You know, this is not a wish or a hope. He is in faith here because uh, he says in verse 33, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. That's another thing. You know what? We try to, we try to set the dominoes up and we try to manipulate the affairs of life and, and society in a way with the hope that we can get a little bit more peace and things to be a little more peaceful and so forth. But no, he's saying that in me you may have peace. True peace is only in Christ. Right? And we can have a certain amount of order and, and I guess peace is only on the world's, the world's level of peace can be had by conformity, setting up certain parameters, living in gated communities, or, you know, doing whatever. We can do some things that can limit, keep the world's troubles at bay, to uh, some of the world's troubles at bay. But that won't give us peace. He says, I have said these things to you that in me, he's talking to his disciples, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. Let that just sink in. I mean, Jesus was so real and he wasn't about giving people any kind of fake confidence. You know, it's talking about all the issues and trials and and problems of the day. He didn't even say, hey man, I'm going to take all that stuff away from you. You No, in this world, as long as you're in the world, you're going to have tribulation. So, with love, I'm just telling you, if you're hoping for tribulation to go away, it ain't happening before Jesus comes back. In this world, you will have trials. He said that in another another, uh, in another verse. Here, in the world, you will have tribulation. This isn't just hey, sinners in the world are going to have tribulation. No, in the world, sinner or saved, you're going to have tribulation. But take heart. Here's the thing you can take heart in. 
I've overcome the world. I've overcome every tribulation that you're going to face. I've overcome every trial. In me, you're still more than a conqueror. In me, you're still an overcomer. I still rose from the dead. Jesus is saying to us, I still rose. Yeah, you got that trial you got to deal with. But the tomb is still empty. Yeah, you got that trial you got to deal with. But I'm alive. I didn't stay dead. Yeah, you still got to deal with these issues in life, but I'm alive forevermore, right? And, and, you know, and, and uh, you, you're still going through it, but I, but I'm interceding for you. I am the advocate for you every moment, every day at the right hand of the Father. Yeah, you're going through it, but this life is but a vapor. There is an eternal reward awaiting you in the presence of your heavenly father. Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. You've already overcome the world through Christ. Because you've already received the gift of salvation. It's appointed unto everyone to die, right? And then the judgment. Well, we already have, we've already escaped eternal judgment. We've already received the gift of his salvation in Jesus Christ. So what can life do to us? The worst thing something can do is take my life. Okay, so I leave this place of tribulation. This temporal place of tribulation and I'm, I'm forever with the Lord. Uh, it's hard to see how that isn't a win. Right? If worse comes to worst, right? And so... We have his promises. He, he'll never leave us, nor forsake us. You know, you're going to have tribulation in this world, but, but I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Let that comfort us. You know, the win isn't in avoiding the tribulations and the trials and the issues. The win is that he's with us in them. And that he will never leave us nor forsake him and that he's already overcome. And in him, we also have overcome. And even if that thing that we are fearing or that thing that we are, uh, uh, is threatening, it threatens our very lives. If it take our life on earth, it cannot take our eternal, uh, our eternal life. Amen. Cause that's already secured in Christ. And, 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 and thieves can't come in and steal that. Moth can't come in and dust can't come in. No, nothing can corrupt that. It is incorruptible. And, uh, and, and we can praise God for that and always be excited about it. And, you know, I mean, I, I do have a little bit more, but I, I, I think it's a, I will end it on this. Um, I trust that God has uh, expressed, that I've expressed what, what God has uh, intended me to express. I will uh, skip down to this last little short passage in Second Peter 3. 
verses 17 and 18. It says, you therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. God doesn't want us to be unstable. He wants us to be stable in our faith, stable in our walk. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I know you know the Lord, but let's grow in our knowledge of him. I know my wife more 28 years in than then I knew her 28 days in, right? The more we spend with each other, the more we are to become intimately familiar with one another. You know, we're not just roomies. We're not just, you know, we didn't, we got four daughters. You know, we didn't just go halvesies on four kids, right? We didn't just do that. We came together before the kids came. All right. We came together before the mortgages came. We, you know, we came together for, you know, we, we came together in the Lord and, and we, while we thought we knew each other, we didn't really know each other. Not the Gnosko kind of love, not the intimately familiar. We, we knew each other well enough to knew, to know that our, our, we were aligned as far as our faith was concerned that and that and that we both uh you know had shared values and things of that nature and and um but we didn't really know each other and that's been a that's been a a wonderful journey sometimes a turbulent journey uh to be honest with you and I think all of y'all who've been married uh for any length of time will attest you know, it's not that marriage in and of itself is, uh, you know, a bed of roses. Sometimes, sometimes it's hard, <laughs> you know, because you got people both bringing in woundings and, and uh, probably ungodly perspectives and things that we learned in our families. You're bringing those to the relationship and you're going to trigger each other. You're going to rub against each other and that's going to cause what we've always called intense moments of fellowship. And you're going to deal with those. And you're going to have to work through those. And as you work through those, you know, you, you discover, you discover how to reach each other's heart more. You know, you become sensitive to, to each other. And, uh, you begin to understand each other as you become more intimately acquainted, um, uh, with each other through the struggles of life. Right? And so, same thing, we should understand the same is true in our relationship with the Lord. Because how many of you know, and maybe this is why God led me to use the marriage as, a, as, an, as, an, as an analogy, because Scripture says that we are his bride. So, so, so we're married to him, right? We are, we, we are we, we, we are his beloved. We are his bride. He is the husband, right? And so there is the relationship that we have there with him. And we are expected, just like we do in the natural here on this earth, we're expected to come to know him, grow in our knowledge of him. So just as we are known by him, we want to know him. Right. And so while you can be confident 
and you can rest assured in your knowledge that you do know him, don't be satisfied with the level at which you know him right now. Always hunger and desire to know him more. That relationship should be ever growing. Okay? But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. And so... I'm going to ask you to stand, and uh, I, won't, I won't do like an altar call or anything like that. I'm just going to just let the Lord deal with you where you're at. But we're still, we should be about the, the business of what pleases the heart of God, you know, should be paramount on our hearts. I know that's not to the exclusion uh, of what's on our hearts. You know, God wants to give us the desires of our hearts to the extent that the desires of our hearts are in line with the desires of his heart. See, that, 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 that goes, that should go without saying that first and foremost in our lives is his desire in, in pleasing him. And so I just wanted to bottom line that takeaway that Jesus wants us all to be sanctified in his truth. And as we are sanctified in his truth, and and I want to challenge each and every one of y'all, you know, when you're getting your scripture reading, or one, to be daily in the word of God. But, uh, But to be serious about the study of the word of God. You may have what you think is a good understanding of a particular passage of scripture, but, 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 but don't just lean on your own understanding. Endeavor. Uh, someone you might respect as far as their knowledge of the word, you know, take, make it a topic of discussion with them and, and y'all study that to study it out together to, to get confirmation that you have a firm grasp on the biblical truths that are in that passage or that chapter or that book. And once you have a, once you've done all that work and you've got a firm grasp on it, you know, then be, be conform your life to it. Let that truth sanctify, sanctify your heart, your mind, your soul. Let it sanctify the way you conduct yourselves, your, the very nature of you. Let it sanctify you as you conform yourself to that truth. And really, uh, I hate to use it. That's just for lack of a better phrase. You're not sanctifying yourself. The Spirit of God is doing the sanctifying work. Uh, it's the Spirit of God that's leading you into that truth. But you're studying. You're doing your part. You're not a passive person just sitting there letting the Spirit of God sanctify you. You are putting in the work to make sure that you're studying in a way that ensures a firm grasp of those biblical truths and, and the, the Holy Spirit will do a sanctifying work in you according to that truth. And if we, so, so let's focus on that with the objective of ultimately being one, being in oneness in the Lord. Hallelujah. Father God, I thank you uh, for this word. I thank you for every heart. 
that uh, received it, for every ear that heard it, Father God. And, um, and Father, I, I thank you, Lord, that, you know, the word has not fallen on deaf ears, but that it's been received well and will be acted upon. And um, I am excited that that we're even that we're going to come into an even more intimate and greater knowledge of you uh, individually and collectively, and that we're going to be sanctified according to your word as we delve into it and and allow ourselves to be conformed according to it. And we're going to move into a level of oneness in you, Lord, that's going to lead to people coming to Christ, to the glory of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, be glorified. Let our heart be that of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, as he kept saying, glorify me so that I may glorify you. Do this work in us, Father God, that we might glorify you and represent you well in a world that desperately needs you. Uh, This I pray in the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, praise the Lord, everybody. Pray that you were blessed by the word and uh, and that you encountered the Lord in a in a real and and uh, in a tangible way today. Love you guys. Have a great week. God bless you.